Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business, and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. At 38, I had a heart attack in front of a client. At 42, I was diagnosed with stomach cancer. I'm in remission now, thank God, but, and I was an absentee father for virtually my kid's entire life, even though in some cases I slept a room down the hall. It's the price we pay. And I think when you think of it that way, it really comes down to, it's easy to trust Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter from an outcome perspective, but you never know what the process was that somebody had to go through in order to end up meaningful. You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. Journey. All right, guys, strap it in because this is going to be a fun, fun episode. I'm bringing in Yosef, and man, the philosophy behind some of the things this guy shares is just a lot of fun. And, you know, he's going to challenge some of the gurus of the day and some of the thought leaders out there, and I love it. And, guys, stay tuned to his trajectory because he's getting ready to blow up. So, good times, good stuff. Enjoy this one. Alright guys, this is going to be another really fun episode. I met Yosef not too long ago, man, and we just had some cool conversations already, and I'm really digging kind of the message this guy's putting out there. So, I'm Donnie Bovine, this is Donnie Success Champions, and I gotta tell you, this is gonna be a fun ride. Yosef, Elk M. Elk I M. That's Elk. it, brother. Woohoo, I got it the second time. Dude, you got a messed up last name like I do, because people see my last name and they can't pronounce Bovine to save their life. So, Dude, so. it will it will be the least it, it will be the least offensive thing someone calls me today. <laughs> you so, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> well man, welcome to the show, dude. Tell us your story. Tell us where you've been, what you went through, and how the hell you got where you got. It is insane. I grew up in a family of really, really determined, determined, determined parents. I had, a fa- like every other immigrant story, I have a father that came here, very few dollars in his pocket, came here for the American dream, wanted to do something better for himself and what potentially looked like what could have been his family at that time. I make the joke that a large part of that comes from you know, when he got to Customs and Border Protection, they said, what's your business in this country? He's like, I'm here to, you know, for the American dream. And they told him, look, dude, we don't do that anymore. You know, <laughs> and, and look, he just came with a real high sense of tenacity. In a lot of ways, he's old school. He ran his house very, very old school. He was in the Israeli army. He he, he did really, really well there. And he, you know, he ran things really tight, tight ship, man, high and tight. You know, so we all grew up in a house that had a really solid, solid work ethic. The problem is, is that with any immigrant family, you come into the discussion thinking, listen, you're either a doctor, a lawyer or a failure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you come into a situation like that, 
you know, you're basically walking in with odds stacked against you. How do you come out the other side unscathed or how do you come out a better person for it? The only way that happens is you become defined by what you're willing to suffer for. Mm. And for me, I fell in love with being able, I, I love, I fell in love with the, of the process. Whatever that process was, I fell in love with that. Like I became enamored by dismantling, deconstructing, disassembling how things got put together. I went into consulting. I fell in love with, with the process of deconstructing businesses. We looked at the businesses that were the most successful businesses in the world. We serviced them. We worked for them. We solved problems for them. We advised them. And I just became enamored with that. And I kept doing that so much so to the point where later on, I had done a talk at the Pentagon and I was tapped on the shoulder by three dudes who were in like every, they look like every extra in men in black, you know, the guys who actually come in and clean stuff up. They look like that. One guy had like a squiggly thing, wire hanging out of his ears, scared the piss out of me. He's like, listen, we got to have a conversation. I said, um, okay. He's like, someone from our executive leadership wants to talk to you. I'm like, this is the government. You guys don't have executive leadership. Like, you know, pulls me into a back room i meet at the e the e branch of the pentagon and i met robert gates Mm. and he said oh i was in i was in the audience for your talk and i feel like you have a a point of view that's really meaningful and how you connect public sector and private sector i think that that's something that we want to consider as an external console And and we did it it ended up being the like the pivotal position in my life I ended up soon after, I stayed on in my consulting company. It eventually, I was a partner in that firm. It eventually got sold off. I went to go work for the federal government, a three-letter agency. It was probably the most mind-altering experience of my life. Robert retired. His successor was Leon Panetta. Leon Panetta was my boss. Three and a half years, he was my mentor, my friend, and he literally shaped my professional existence forever and the lessons that I learned you know it's great right we talk about mentors we talk about what it looks like to be influenced by somebody I say that the most amazing influencers the most amazing mentors are the people that don't even realize they're even consciously doing that right I agree that 100% yeah and for me the degree of the degree of honesty the degree of accountability is what shaped my my world so I've made a living by deconstructing businesses putting them back together, figuring out what works, what doesn't work. I've narrowed it down to three principles of business and I've, and I look across four key pillars and made my bones that way. And people, they hire me, they, you know, they trust me because I know what the hell I'm talking about. They hire me because they understand that at the end of the day, I'm candid and brutally honest about where they are, where they need to be and what it's going to take to get there. That, but that success, that success came at a cost, man. You know, I, I, at 38, I had a heart attack in front of a client. At 42, I was diagnosed with stomach cancer. I'm in remission now, thank God. But, you know, and I was an absentee father for virtually my, my kid's entire life, even though in some cases I slept a room down the hall. Right. You know, it's the price we pay. And, it, and, it, and I think when you think of it that way, it really comes down to it's easy to it, it's easy to trust instagram facebook snapchat twitter from an outcome perspective but 
you never know what the process was that somebody had to go through in order to end up meaningful. Yeah. And I say that to people and I've, you and I have talked about it like countless times, right? I, you know, I don't give much credence to an influencer on any social media platform because they don't have to own the consequences of any of their decisions. You do. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your journey getting here because you, you've been through some wild things. So one, you come over, well, I mean, you come from an immigrant family, right? Yep. A lot of people are moving to the U.S. for shoot, as, as long, long as the U.S. You know, has been around and all trying to get a piece of that American dream, American pie, you know, type thing. Yep. And you know, your daddy gets here and literally somebody says, you know, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> we don't serve out the American dream anymore, which, no. you know, and the American dream, sure. all it is, is you have the greatest opportunity in the world to sit down, lace your boots up, get your ass to work and make something of yourself. Right. Right. More than anywhere else in the world here, you can literally make something of yourself. And so your dad raising you in that environment Taught you a, a few things about tenacity, getting you know your teeth kicked in by life, and keep moving forward. Right, which is a very cool experience. Some would say that maybe you won the lottery of you know going through a certain type of childhood to to become the guy you are now, and from that tenacity, found yourself in a position working for a three letter agency inside the Pentagon yep. as an advisor. You know, to some of the, the biggest names that, you know, have been put out on the planet just because of title and what they do. Yep. You know, I, I'm curious, you know, what was that experience like when, you know, the Pentagon's looking at you saying, hey, we need your advice? Yeah. Was that intimidating as hell at first or was it, you know, one of the things that, well, this is what I've been preparing for my entire journey? No. So, no. <laughs> no. So, I was petrified. I mean, on on day one, when I got that job, I, I remember clear as day. It's something I'll never forget the rest of my life. On day one, when I got the job, Leon introduced himself, and I got a chance to meet him. And again, mind you, from a guy who grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family, having worked in private sector, here's a guy who's been 50 years in public service about to tell me the, the, the secret to life. I'm like, okay, I'm calling BS on you, brother. Because what the hell do you know about my life? How do you know about private sector? You've been a civil servant for probably your entire career. What are you going to teach me? Right? I came in with this private sector. What do you know about, you know? Right. He says to me, he says, listen, Joe. I said, it's Yosef. He's like, no, it's Joe. I said, okay. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to give you six rules. You follow these six rules, I don't care if it's professionally, personally, spiritually, mentally, psycho psychologically, this is it. I said, okay, I'm game. He says, rule one, don't be a jerk. That guy's hysterical in college. He's a loser in life. Don't be him. I'm like, all right, uh, I could get it with behind that. Right. He says, rule two, don't. Tell me about problems that I have unless you can propose at least two very concrete solutions because guess what? You wouldn't be here if I didn't already know that I had those problems. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm trying to figure out like, you know, where this is going. Is, is this like a precursor to him dropping me on my unemployment right? <laughs> outside kind of thing? And, and then the next thing he says, he says, you know, rule three is if you don't have a seat at the table, you might be what's for dinner. And I looked at him and I'm like, you know, what does that mean? He says, 
always make sure that for whatever you do for the rest of your life, whether it be marriage, business, make sure someone is dependent upon your expertise because the day you become obsolete, you'll spend the rest of your life looking for that and searching for that relevance and you'll never find it. Mm. He says, rule four, never question your wife's decisions because you were one of them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> This is crazy stuff, man. And I'm thinking to myself, like, at the in the moment, how do you internalize something like this from a guy who's like really Italian, has the beads, right. raises the beads three times a day? Like, it's just he's a really concrete, rock solid guy. He's like rule five. It's impressive to speak multiple languages. Learn as many as you can. I'm like, okay. He's like, you know what's more impressive? I said, no. What's that? He's like, to know how to shut the hell up in every language. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, and he says, you know, he says, he quotes the Bible. He says, there's a commentary on the Bible. You know why people have two ears and one mouth? Because you should probably be doing double the listening and half the talking. I was like, okay, okay. But what he really, what he really, you know, and all of this was leading up to, you know, his sixth one, which was, you're going to get an opportunity to be cocky. You're going to get an opportunity to boast. You're going to get an opportunity to be arrogant. And rightfully so, you've earned it. But here's the problem. Life is like a game of chess. At the end of a game of chess, even the pawns and the king all end up in the same brown box. Mm. Don't be that, you know what? If you do anything for the sake of getting a pat on the back, don't do it. That's not the upside. And I've used that to govern my life. Like if you hear anyone who's ever talked to me, they'll always tell you, I go out of my way to say how humbled I am. And I live in a perpetual, you and you know this firsthand. I, I'm always the person to turn around and say, you know what? I'm humbled to be on the show. I'm humbled by this because let's face it, nobody owes me a damn thing. I haven't, in some cases, Cher Jones is a friend of mine who does branding and marketing. She's a great person. And she's told me, you know, countless times, you haven't been afforded permission. You haven't, you haven't earned your right to be there. And what I've come to learn from that is, you know what? That's true. I haven't, but what I have learned is that I'm constantly under construction mm. and I love that aspect of my life because, you know, Donnie is a guy who came from a totally different segment. I can't even begin to contemplate what it is that you could teach me simply because I, your world has only been seen through your lens. I have no clue what it is that you could bring to my life. And the day that I realized that I'm constantly under construction, I became a sucker. I'm a sucker for what people tell themselves about themselves. Mm. And that for me is a perpetual learning experience, which affords me the opportunity to be objective, honest, candid. And in some cases, I'm not in the rose giving business. <laughs> I'm in the reality check business and that's not always sexy. Trust me, even, even as working with my clients and, and the conversations I get into, nobody's going to ever suggest that your and my style is going to be this candy coated. Let's put sunshine and rainbows up your ass and, and right. see if we can figure something out. So, you've had a couple of powerhouse mentors along your journey that helped shape and mold you into what you've become. And, you know, I would tell you that a lot of people are in search of a hard mentor. They're, they're in search for somebody that can show them the ropes. It sounds like, I mean, you found your mentor 
through here working your ass off, learning along the way, learning that you're, you know, always learning and being, you know, taught something along the journey. How has that continued to shape your mission in life by embracing, you know, what you've been taught throughout that time? I'm going to give you the best answer I can. And this is like, you know, it's a talk that I do, you know, when I get brought in for, for keynotes and stuff like that. And I say, how do you spell success? R-E-G-R-E-T. And people laugh. They're like, dude, that's not success. I said, let me explain. I was still trying to spell that. It was regret because that took me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and if you think about it, I'll tell you why that is, right? John D. Rockefeller was probably the, one of the wealthiest businessmen, arguably, in, the, in, the, in this country's history. He died 81 years ago. And till today, his family, now you're talking about eight generations later, his great, great, great grandkids are still fighting in probate court over his estate. Now, if you would have asked John D. Rockefeller back in the day when he was turning and burning, Hey, listen, man, do you know that in eight decades, your family's family will still be fighting over the pennies that you're earning right now? Would you do it the same way? I'd like to believe that he would have turned around and said, you know what? No, I'm going to go take a job at Walmart, brother, because there's no, what's the point of all of it if all it does is leave harm, Mm. right? That's real life, right? And that's true of businesses, it's true of startups, it's true of entrepreneurs, it's true of anything, right? If all you're doing is solving your own satisfaction problem in the short term, what you don't, what maybe what people have to learn or hopefully they'll realize is that amazing ideas never ever die. They just end up playing out on smaller and smaller stages Mm. perpetually. And for me, I tell customers, I say, look, it's real ethereal. Today, if you ask nine out of 10 people, who's the face of Apple? Everyone would say Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is dead. Right. God bless his soul. He hasn't touched a piece of R&D in that company probably for years when he was alive. Do you know why he's the face of Apple? Because he put into motion an understanding that the culture itself is the cell. The innovation happens to be why they do what they do, but the culture that they sell is an opportunity for you to express your effort or contribution of self towards a wider objective. Most businesses fail in that way. Everybody's trying to solve a short-term problem with a long-term greedy plan, and it doesn't make sense, right? If you have employees that are underperforming, it's easy to get rid of people. True. I say I say that that's a silly way to operate because then you're in perpetual and it's a cycle. Whereas if you turn around and you look at the problem inward, outward, your intangible investments determine your tangible outcomes. And the sooner people come to accept that, the better off they'll be. And that's true of any business. I don't care if you're Kodak, if you're Nokia, if you're Enron, and these are all businesses that have failed, or you're Amazon or what. The intangible investments, the giving of them, you can't quantify that. People's confidence in you, you can't quantify that. Reputational value, you can't quantify that. Stakeholder confidence, you can't quantify that. 
So I'm a big believer that whatever business you're putting, whatever process you're putting into place, it should be commensurate with the empowerment and enablement you put on your employees to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you don't take ownership of that, you're missing a critical piece, right? Because there's always budget. There's never budget to do it right, but there's always budget to do it again. <laughs> that is, think about you it. You said that to me the other day, and I thought, damn, that's a hell of a statement. Think <laughs> about it. It's the truth. Because if you go the first time and you screw it up because you didn't want to spend enough money on it, the next thing you absolutely do is go find money to do it again. You know? <laughs> and, and I laugh, right? Because people are like, ah, that's not true. There's so many businesses that are foot forward. And I say, I'll take a different approach. The next time, God forbid, you should never have to experience it. But the next time you have a problem with your heart, I want you to go to your hospital and say to them, I'm sorry. While I appreciate the expertise of your cardiologist, I just want you to take into account. I only am looking to work with a cardiologist that went to night school. <laughs> Part time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the medical analogies. And, and, and the reason being is when I was in sales, early on in my career, somebody looked at me. He goes, look, sales is, is a culmination helping somebody discover pains, right? And I yep. said, okay, explain that to me. He goes, well, right now you feel no pain. But if a doctor walked in this room and looked at you after a physical and said, you ever had a history of liver problems in your family? Right. All of a sudden, immediately, you've become a lot more focused on that conversation. Yep. So I love your analogy. This is awesome. So- I believe, I believe. look, I, I, this is to simplify all of this. It's real simple. No matter what you do, whether you're in a podcast, whether you're in, you know, whether you're in business, whether you're in banking, whether you're in medical devices, whether you're in janitorial stuff, you're in the trust business. True. And you need to accept that as a reality. Gary V, any of these people, they're in the trust business. Ed Milet, Grant Cardone, they're in the trust business. People don't do business with you because of who you are. They do business with you because of who you're not. Yeah, dude, I love this. And here's why, because for years, gurus have thrown around, you know, people do business with it with people they know, like, and trust. And I freaking hate that phrase. And here's why. I don't have to like you to do business. And I always use the analogy of Dr. House from the TV show. Dr. Yep. House is a straight asshole, right? Right. And the worst bedside manner. But if you're fictitiously put into the TV and nobody else can figure out your diagnosis, would you go see Dr. House? And 100% of the time, people are like, absolutely. And I'm like, why? They're like, because I trust he'll get it done. And that's it. If you you're can bang actually, on, brother. You're yeah. bang on. And that's where we're at today, right? We're, we're in an environment where – Hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Really? What problem do you solve? Well, I don't really solve anything. I sell a product or service. Then you're a small business owner. Right. Don't, entrepreneurs solve problems. Small business owners own small businesses. And here's the thing. Whether you like it or not, you're in the trust business. You don't know the sacrifice that a person who's in Topeka, Kansas, had to get up at 4 a.m. and go work, you know, or somebody had to go in West Virginia and go work the coal mines to earn that money to pay you for a product or service. They're trusting you to, to, to impart that confidence on their penny. It's way more meta. You know, uh, there's a lot of talk about a micro macro. No, it's way more meta. There is a guy who is absolutely breaking his back, taking time away from his family to go trust that your product or service is going to deliver above par to solve the problem that they need. Unless you're looking at it outward in, 
from the perspective of the people you're servicing, what makes you any different than anybody else? The most successful businesses in the world are working right to left. They're not working left to right. They're starting with customer experience and then working into operational efficiency and data quality. Everybody else is starting with, oh, data quality. Do I have the best blog, blog, podcast, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter? No one cares. Being insta- Making a million on Instagram is like being paid with Monopoly money if you don't have a framework to support your infrastructure. That's where I call out every one of these influencers. Every one of them, and to me, is all guilty, every one of them. Go get a million followers on YouTube. Okay, now that I have a million followers on YouTube, now I'm going to monetize it. What's the structure, the framework that I put in place to ensure that I'm not just a a flash in a pen? These are opportunities to give people framework and structure. And guess what? My friend, who who I love to death, Ron Malhotra, you should know his name. If you don't, you should absolutely, I'm more than happy to make the introduction, is is an Australian brilliant guy. Ron Malhotra is his name, and he will be the first one to tell you, and he lives thousands of miles away from me. And, dude, we are like this in sync. There is no version of this at all that doesn't require you to appreciate outcome-based opportunities because every one of those guys is given a platform and not sharing what is fundamentally needed versus what comes in by way of optics is an epic, epic, epic fail. It's a fail of a missed opportunity. It's a fail to impart real wisdom. It's a fail to share real knowledge. And it's a fail overall because guess what? All the tech in the world won't fix your problem. All the innovation in the world won't fix your problem. All the business ideas and go-to-market strategies in the world, as new as they may be, will not fix your problem. Because while you might be new or your go-to-market strategy might be new, here's the facts. The people that are litmusing your business and measuring the success and auditing you relative to industry standards, they haven't changed. They're still looking at you from the perspective of what is considered generally accepted accounting processes, auditing processes, regulatory processes. The fact that you think that somebody is going to double down on your version of crazy without having a fundamental framework Dude, it was nice knowing you, man. You're on your way to the bottom. Yeah, I did. I love this because there's a lot of gurus in the marketplace, and it's because never in a time of history has there been so many platforms where people can just share information. I don't remember who said it, but somebody was like, you know, back in the day, to become a quote-unquote influencer – you had to go through a process and go through Oprah's, you know, team to get on the show and get on the couch to get that exposure. Nowadays, you just got to have a computer and a camera or your phone and you can become an influencer. And I love what you're saying because most of these guys don't share the tactics. This is brilliant. Tell us more. Dude, I, I suffered so many losses, so many losses. I've had ideas that I've come up with that have absolutely fallen on their face. And I, and you know what? The idea that any of the people that you follow haven't experienced the same thing is asinine. And as many times as they'll talk about all their wins, they have double as many losses. And if they don't, then they just haven't come to terms with what reality looks like to them. Dude, every one of us is in constant and perpetual state of construction. This road to success is not paved in gold. 
It's paved in broken brick. It's paved in uneven pavement. It's paved in roots coming out of the ground. It's, and you know what? You got to be willing to weather that storm in order to get to the outcome. I call it the Kylie Jenner syndrome. I have a person who contacted me who says, I'm 28. She's 28. She's worth 900 million. Why the hell aren't I? And I said, that's a great question. Hey guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for you know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Blue Family Fund, helping dependents of law enforcement families on their journeys. Blue Family Fund is a nonprofit that raises funds and offers financial support through higher education scholarships for dependents of law enforcement officers and by providing financial assistance for families of fallen law enforcement officers. Every dollar donated will go to the families of police officers, either through scholarships to dependents of police officers or as aid to fallen officers' families. Visit us at bluefamilyfund.com. The assumption that you should be is based on the idea that both of you started in the exact same place, overcame the exact same challenges in the exact same way to effectively achieve the exact same goals. You know what's delusional about that? That's right. Everything. Yeah. You know, I was writing an article the other day, and I got to tell you, I wrote something down that was just a thought in the back of my head, and I went back and read it and said, that's it. And here's what I wrote. I wrote, success is not about the things you do. It's about the things you overcome. Yep. And I had to go back and read it again because I'm like, okay, well, one, where the hell did that come from? But I realized even for me and on my journey that I'm just a culmination of overcoming different shitstorms. Yeah. You know, because I believe that you're made when you're able to withstand and go through something. And come out on the other side of that as a change in different person. I agree with you. And, I, and it's funny, right? Because I think that's in line with what, you know, what I've posted in the past, you know, being able to overcome challenges, being able to like, you know, come out the other side, scratched up, but still being able to walk. That's a measure of what you are. My philosophy is in line with yours with maybe one deviation, right? I'm an avid believer that being able to do all of that take the lessons learned from it and impart that wisdom on somebody else without looking for something in return, that's a measure of who you are. Because in Judaism, in, in my upbringing, we have this concept. It's called hesed shel emet. And the idea behind it is that it's a good deed that can't be repaid. Mm. Right? And I'll give you an example. You go to a funeral and you honor someone who's dead. You can never get that back. They can mm. never repay the favor. Right. That, my friend, that degree of self 
or selflessness, so to speak, that's why that's what you need to be doing. And the same applies in business too. If you, if what got you to this point was common sense, what's going to get you moving forward is going to be uncommon sense. And I've said this. I love that. Yeah. Think about it. I've been an advocate and I've even sent tweets to people like Naveen Jain, people like Alex Benayan, people that are great authors, great, great business people. And I've said, you know what? The guy who's going to solve, the guy who's going to find the cure for cancer is not going to be somebody who works in cancer. It's going to be somebody who thought so completely outside the fray who was able to apply that notion across. I have a company that focuses on AI. I have a business that, you know, my expertise is being able to deconstruct businesses, find the bottlenecks, find the flaws, and put, re- and put real-time solutions in play that are not only sustainable, but that are autonomous to the person that I'm, I'm working with. I do that through tech. Other people do it through a variety of mediums. But the one thing that we all have in common is that it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to ask. It's okay to put yourself out there. Someone came to me, a senior leadership executive came to me and said, yeah, I got to be honest with you, man. I'm kind of nervous. I said, well, really, why is that? He says, well, because, you know, if if I show that I might be in question or in query, I'm afraid it might reflect poorly on, on, on me, and subsequently my boss might see that I might not be able to hold my own and that the fact that I need help might be grounds for him to have to replace me. And I said, that's a fair, that's a fair concern, and I get it. But I'd ask you to think about it way more, way more inward. He says, okay. I said, do you know why you're here? He says, yeah. I mean, the department, you know, the department needed somebody to run it. I said, it's because your boss needed help. <laughs> Sometimes we look at outcomes as being the litmus under which people process, product, technology, firms, or, or companies succeed. What you don't realize is subconsciously, you're actually not impressed by the outcome. I'm not impressed by Jeff Bezos. Is, I'm not impressed by his wealth. I'm impressed by the fact that he was willing to eat ramen noodles at 28 cents a pound and live in his garage for five years straight. That process that somebody's willing to undergo those trials and tribulations that they're willing to overcome and turn around and internalize those lessons to make them a better person towards creating a business that he feels he wanted to be the difference in what he saw. And that, my friend, that's sustenance. This isn't a a Vayner media plug, but he has someone who he hired named Claude Silver. And she's this amazing person who has a really phenomenal story who's gone through her own trials and tribulations only to end up being the go-to person to, to, to find the best version of the people that work for her and impart confidence and empowerment on them so that they can be effective contributors. That idea is such a disenfranchising idea because in, the, in conventional business, that's a sunken cost. What do I need a person like that for? Right. But yeah. what you don't realize is that people are buying into what you're selling is enablement. You're selling empowerment. You're selling inspiration. You're selling the fact that, you know what? Hey, Donnie, 
How's your, how's your wife and your kids? Hey, everybody's good. That's awesome, man. Oh, isn't your son going into high school? That's awesome, man. It's going to be great. And I would know your son's name or your daughter's name. I would know your wife's name and I can remember that. It's very different than, hey, Donnie, listen, brother. Uh, we got this, this this perpetual thing happening in the business. I need you to just be a part of some a line item or a P&L. You're not inspired by that. And I, and I turn around and I say, you know, the, my consulting business is, is calibrated differently. You pay to hear speakers. You pay to, you know, you, you download TED Talks. That's, a, that's an attention economy. You place your time on these people. So what I did with my consulting business was I said, my consulting business is going to be run by people that are thought leaders, white paper writers, authors, position paper writers, intelligence analysts, former directors of defense ministries. You know, I want and, and TED Talk people. Why? Because they have an absolute objectivity towards your business versus your subjectivity. When things go terrible, everybody's quick to look out the window. And this is most businesses. But when things go great, everybody looks in the mirror. Why does, sure. have, why does it have to be that way? Let's turn around and recalibrate the notion of what business can be and put responsibility where it belongs. And that's just how I govern my, my way forward, man. And that's a dark road. That's dark as hell. Yeah, but in my opinion, a lot of truth in that. I mean, one of the things that I absolutely agree with and love is the whole thought process. The person that's going to cure cancer is not in cancer right now. Yeah. I mean, they're not – they're not part of the clinical trials and all that stuff. And what happens most times, I think, in business and in industry and in life is people get to a spot where they want to plateau, right? They want to get to a spot where their company, their life, their everything is functioning at this level so they can go, ah. Right. And take your foot off the gas. And that's where you've seen all the innovation change. You know, that's how Google came to market and upset the entire Internet market and took over and became the biggest, yep. you know, Internet company there. That's how Amazon was able to upset Walmart is people get want to get to that state of complacency and this, that and the other. And what it takes is somebody who's tenacious in hell willing to come in and <laughs> I'll use the word of Gary V. eat shit, you know, for a moment of time to innovate and come up with new ways to configure, do, or, or go through it. Because, you know, even for me going back to sales is, you know, the way to learn sales is to get punched in the face on sales calls and learn from that moment, you know, and, and then be willing to go get punched in the face again. I mean, Rocky Balboa says it best in one of the Rocky movies. He says, you know, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can take a hit and keep moving forward. And for me, that's how you learn everything in life is you've got to be willing to go out and innovate and, and get the shit kicked out of you and then do it again. And so, learn Tony, who's your favorite, who's your favorite sports, sports, you know, sports athlete? Athlete, I'm gonna have to go old school and probably say it was Emmett Smith back in the day, or if you, or right around the same time, Bo Jackson. I'm agnostic when it comes to American sports. So See, Emmett, Smith, I mean, I'm not a big sports guy. So Mike Smith, to me, it doesn't make a difference. I'll use Emmett Smith as an example. Emmett Smith is arguably one of the best in his field, right? Yep. What made what you know? So if you ask most people, 
Hey, Emmett Smith, one of the greatest athletes of all time. What made him great? I would say that you'd probably have more people that say that he was naturally talented versus he was willing to put in the work to become the best in his craft. Well, a prime example of that statement is Jerry Rice. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry Rice. Admittedly, I don't know who that is. Okay, so in my world, in my world, you have guys like Lionel Messi, you have guys like Cristiano Ronaldo, you have guys like Neymar, you have Diego Maradona, you have Pele. You know, I follow European football. If you haven't picked up on these names, but like someone once asked, you know, what made what made Pele so amazing as as a football player? And the answer that I that I've said, and I've heard other people re, re, you know reiterate this point in their own talks, which I'm I'm humbled by because I think it's a great lesson. You know, eight out of ten people will turn around and say, you know what, what made Pele great was that he was naturally talented, versus that the fact that he spent countless hours practicing with absolutely no end in sight. You know why most people would def- would defer to the former? Because it relinquishes their responsibility to have to meet that amount of work face on. Absolutely. It's easy for me to turn around and say, Donnie is the cat's meow because Donnie is just naturally talented. Look how he's navigating the podcast, man. What don't, what people don't realize is that who knows what you had to go through to get to a point where you're now podcasting. I'm a big believer and Marcus Lemonis says it also. I'm a big avid believer. Peter Drucker. I mean, there's so many Carl Icahn, this is not – it's an unforgiving, unforgiving mirror. The mirror of success, dude, is magnifying at 200X. So all the blemishes you could get away with on your phone's camera, the mirror of success highlights at 200X. <laughs> so that zit that you thought you were going to bypass, dude, that's front and center. And you know what's great about it? Because if you don't love – the process and you don't trust the process all the results dude just are are just line items they don't matter i i can tell you two things that i love about this thought process is one when i started my business i thought just being a damn good sales guy was gonna be the be enough right I had no idea that I'd spent my entire 20 years in the business corporate world if you will as an employee Right. And an employee mindset. So when I made that transition over to becoming a business owner, man, it was a gut punch. And I uh, am floored of how much I've learned about myself on this journey of what I'm made of and how I tick and how I function. And, and, And I don't mind putting this out there is I don't think I ever really gave it a solid go at life until I went out on my own, and then it was all on me, right? I think I was succumbed to society and everything else of, well, you know, those guys just had something, right? That comes naturally to it. I, I'm a complete, you know, child of that thought process until I, I jumped out on my own, and I love this because it's, it's the absolute truth. Is It's like here, almost a form of escapism. You're absolutely right, but here's the difference. And what most people listening to this podcast or any other podcast you'll do, whether today or 10 years from now, whether they realize it or not, for you as an owner of a business, 
you're conscious enough to understand what it's going to take on the back end to put processes in place to support all of that. That's one thing. And that's, in my opinion, probably the most important thing. But from a mindset perspective, and you could tell me I'm out of line, but I don't think I am. For you, every day is day one. Yeah, no, that is absolutely the truth. When you think about the fact that you get to do this with the same enthusiasm on day 525 as you did on day one, it's no longer a job. Yeah. Well, and here's an interesting thought process. My 20 years in sales, I really believe looking back and, and, and looking at those years was year one repeated over and over and over again. And what I mean by that is there wasn't a lot of growth. There right. wasn't a lot of expanding because I didn't have to, right? There was a set plan, set behavior, set things. This is how you got to a certain financial level, right? Follow that plan and get there. It wasn't until I jumped out on my own. I love this. Yes, every day is day one <laughs> um, because every day – I get that shot to shape my company, shape the vision, shape what I'm doing and have a lot of fun and impacting lives, you know, whether it's through the podcast, coaching, speaking, whatever, right. you know, it's become an adventure. Yeah. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, right. you know, but it's an adventure every freaking day to figure it but out. But it becomes your option to figure it out. Yes. See, when you think about how do you quantify quality of life, how do you quantify loving what you do and feeling good about it and also knowing that you have a, a process or a framework in place to ensure that you can continue to do it. It's unquantifiable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. There are people that are willing to work for other people and Hey, that's great. But I think that you just reaffirmed whether inadvertently or, or deliberately I think you just reaffirmed the critical point that I made earlier, and that is that what got nine out of ten people to this point was this it's common sense mindset, but to, if you want to move forward you got it's going to take uncommon sense like you know I, I keep hearing from people around AI hey you're an AI hey you do AI hey you have a point of view on tech hey you're reg tech fintech you know, are you afraid that people are going to become obsolete? I said, I mean, it, it, to me, it's a little more linear than that. If you know it's coming and it's an inevitable conclusion, what are you doing to enhance your value within the context of that? Mm. Don't look at it as, oh, I'm going to be replaced by. Look at it as, oh, that's just another tool I'm going to have to be able to look at uh, how to define a problem or how to fix a problem. If you're not willing to invest in your own knowledge and your own domain expertise, why would someone else? Mm. Love that. Love that. And that comes both ways, whether you're the business owner or whether you're the client. If they're not willing to invest in themselves, why should you? And that, my friend, comes down to an understanding of the value outward in and inward out against people, process, product, and technology. We're, on, we're constantly under construction, man. You know, they, they, anyone who tells you, yeah, I've, I've gotten there, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's just absolute rubbish. Because the reality is, is that, you know, the day you became complacent, it's like the theory of sharks. 
And I talk to branding people and marketing people all the time about it. And I'm like, you guys don't realize it's such a pivotal position that you guys are in. Because the worst thing that can happen is if you guys shark tank somebody. They're like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? I said, shark tank somebody. They said, what do you mean? I said, imagine you guys put, a, put together a campaign and you guys create one of the most meaningful go-to-market strategies and absolutely you have customers lining up at the door wanting to do business with your, with, with, with your influencer, with your entrepreneur, with your small business. The worst thing that can happen without a framework on the back end was that win. Hmm. Think about it. It's like Shark Tank. What people don't realize is that 84.4% of the businesses that actually get deals on Shark Tank fail because they didn't have the process in place to make sure that they were ready for that windfall of attention. That's how I see the social media element. It's great to have influencers. It's great to have all of that attention. But being a millionaire on Instagram is like being rich in Monopoly money. Absolutely. I love this. Dude, this has been one hell of a talk. I've actually really enjoyed this, man. Um, Likewise. I, I love it when, when people are uh, challenging the status quo. That's just a lot of damn fun. Yeah. That's something I can just totally get into. Man, how do people find you? How do they reach out to you? How do they get in touch with you, connect with you? It's so, it's so crazy because, like, you know, I, I, like I said, I live in constant humility. I was talking to my wife recently about this, and I said, you know, I've just gotten an opportunity to start contributing for the Wall Street Journal. I still got, I just got an opportunity to write an op-ed for the New York Times. I'm in conversations with three or four media outlets to become a recurring on-air analyst. I mean, it's just crazy. The book is now coming out. There's a potential spot that's going to be positioned on Bill Maher. Like, it, it's just, this has all happened at me, and I, and, I, and I take every day with a grain of salt. But to answer your question, I, I, I'm still in love with that connection. Mm. So I'm still in love. Like, you know, I'm fairly responsive. I'm always on LinkedIn or I have someone from my team that's willing to respond to something. And, hey, I'm, I'm never, you know, I, I find that one of the biggest problems with being somebody on an uptick or on a trajectory is that they become completely unavailable. Mm. I think that's crazy. I reported into the Secretary of Defense and I've even briefed the vice president. They were never too busy to take a two-minute call. So what in the hell it is that you're doing that makes you so busy that you can't pick up the phone for two minutes or at least send a text and say, hey, I acknowledge that you reached out? Maybe, maybe it's less indicative of, how somewhat, of what someone's effort is to reach you versus your, you know, your effort to meet that halfway. So LinkedIn is a great method for me. The website is in, is in development. I'm working with somebody who I'm really excited about, somebody who's done really cool things, and they have a great podcast too. I'm going to keep that on the low for now, but that's going to be coming out. There's two campaigns that are going to be coming out. The web show is going to be starting up. The web show is going to be called Business Deconstructed, where I look at some of the greatest businesses that we do businesses with today or business with today, and I dissect and deconstruct what made them great. Mm. and convert those into simplified call to actions and real takeaways that no matter where you are in your process, you could either create, take as lessons learned or best practices. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very accessible through LinkedIn. I'm really, really comfortable responding back to people. And, and you know what? My message doesn't resonate with everybody. And I've come to be okay with that too. 
you know? So, awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, they can get in touch with you and you in turn can get in touch with yeah. you, whatever you think is best, but they'll find that I'm, you know, I'm easygoing that way. I love it. I love it. Well, brother, we're going to wrap this up. We're stacked up against it, man. Here's how I like to, to end every show. I do stump some people on this, so, so stand by. If you could leave the champions who listen to this show with a quote, a phrase, a mantra, a saying, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it and going through it, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. I was in Bagram with Special Operation Forces, and I had a three-star turn, a four-star, rather, turn to me and say the following thing. He says, let me tell you something. And this is what I tell a lot of people, and I think it was meaningful to me, and hopefully it resonates. Two things. The first thing is you would be shocked at what people who you trust and respect, you would be shocked at the decisions those people make when they think that they have no other option. Mm. That's number one. Number two, on the back end of that, it's a situation wherein if you're doing everything for everyone else's accolade, you've already lost. Very too. Brother, that's awesome, man. I, I love it. I've really enjoyed having you on here, man. Thanks for imparting your wisdom on my people, man. Uh, for- I'm unworthy, my friend. I, I know the kind of people you've had on this show. I'm humbled to be part of that, part of that collective. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today, or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at Donnie at DonnieBovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success because that's what it means to be a success champion.